0: Hey, what, what, when you hear the word Jesus, what words, what word comes to your mind? Just shout it out, Jesus. What else? Who is Jesus to you? Mm. Yeah, he's my healer. (laughs) It's my victory. Amen? Amen. Let's just give Jesus, let's just give him some more of our praise this morning before we have a seat. Jesus, we love you. We believe in you. Thank you. Mm. You may be seated. I have a question for you. I usually do. This is either yay or nay, right? So you got 50-50 chance on this one. And I want to see a show of hands. All right. Do you believe that we are living in an apocalyptic time? If you believe that, raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. If you don't believe that, raise your hand. Okay, all right, I'm just, I, just, I, just, I just want to see. Apocalypse, you heard that word. Woo, what does it mean? I don't even, I don't even can't answer the question because I don't know what it means, but you got a 50-50 chance, <laughs> right? I mean, some, some people, I mean, if you look at, you may sometimes if you go online or, talk to people you may think you may have come to the conclusion that the apocalypse is covid-19 it's the pandemic or some catastrophic destruction or some nuclear annihilation or it's the end times that's what it is well simply put the apocalypse really means this it's it's an uncovering it's a revealing It's a revelation. Maybe that is what's happening right now in the midst of this chaos. We are being revealed for who we really are, a follower of God or not. The last book in the Bible is entitled The Apocalypse. From Jesus Christ. We usually don't say it that way. We say it this way in Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It says this, the revelation, that Greek word though, it means apocalypse, just so you know. The revelation, the apocalypse from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The question that we're going to be exploring uh, today for sure and throughout this God Win series is this. Well, what, is the, what is the book of Revelation meant to reveal to us? Because I believe that if we understand the message of Revelation, then we're going to be able to stand anything that comes our way in whatever times we may be living in. And if we're living in a, a period of chaos... We'll be able to, well, I think if we understand this message, we will be able to avoid debilitating anxiety because we'll understand God wins. Okay, we, we won't get uh, distracted by side issues that that really take us away from living out our discipleship making vision of helping people. Come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and, and play a role in God's story. So I think it's critical that we understand, that we really understand this message. So what is, what is the book of Revelation intended or meant to reveal to us? What is it? Is it, is it the date of the end times? Is that, is that its point? Is the, is the book of Revelation meant to reveal to us the identity of the beast? That's it. Oh, maybe it's to identify, um, oh, the nations that are going to engage in this battle of Armageddon that we heard about some, somewhere. Oh, may, maybe the book of Revelation is really intended to, uh, to, to help us understand the time sequence of the rapture. If there is one, I don't know. But the time sequence of the rapture, of the tribulation, of the final judgment. Maybe it's to help us understand, I don't know, the code of the Antichrist. Is that what it's meant to tell us? Well, that's what many people have gone fishing for in this book called Revelation during COVID-19. And I think continue to. And that's been the subject matter of various books and movies. And you've seen some of these books have been around for a while, right? The Left Behind series, everyone know that one? That's a great fiction book. But it's not the Word of God. The professor in seminary says, hey, you got to read the Left Behind series. Here it is, part of Revelation. You got to read it. Why? Because that's what your people are reading, (laughs) because that's what they think the Word of God is. It's good fiction, though. It's good. And what I've just talked about, it's been the subject of so many prophecies out there online and on social media. Oh my goodness, you could probably, if you search right now, you probably find, I don't know, 50, 60? <sighs> but that's not the point. It's not the goal here of the book of Revelation. I mean, you can't even find the word Antichrist in the book of Revelation. Go try. You won't find it. Huh. So what is the book of Revelation meant to reveal to us if it's not like some chronological time sequence of the end times? Like this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and then boom. If you go looking and searching and reading Revelation that way, you are going to get way off and you're going to get into some weird thinking. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So it's not that. What is it meant to, what's it meant to reveal to us? What is it? Well, in simple terms, the book of Revelation is, it's a story. doesn't mean it's not a true story. It's a story. Really, a series of stories, in fact, about, about God, which reveal the heart and soul of God. In simple terms, this, this book of Revelation, it's the story of the God who wins. Bar none, hence the title of this series. If there's nothing else that you take, God wins. And so if you're following God, rest easy. God wins by outlasting and outdoing and undoing anything that evil can do. And ultimately, by ending evil forever. That's good news. It's the story of the God that in the process is making everything new. That is God's saving people, God's freeing people, God's redeeming people, God's restoring people as God's dealing with evil. And it's the story of the God, I love this, who is standing in our past, in our present, and in our future as our hope. Helping us be who God has created us to be, Jesus Christ, in every way and every day. Are you guys with me? So at the end of this God's story series, my hope is that you will be filled with God's hope knowing that God wins so that you can stand firm no matter what comes your way in whatever chaotic situation we may be living in. Helping the people in your sphere of influence to come to know this God who gives us new life, new meaning, new purpose, new hope. And then to experience the blessings of living God's way in, in God's kingdom because it is the best way to live, bar none. Show me a better way. Sometimes I like to say this, I defy you to find, and somebody goes and finds some little nuance and, oh, it makes me think a little bit more. But on this one, I'm gonna say, I defy you to find me a better way to live than in God's kingdom. Let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word this morning. Put our minds and our hearts to your word, to your truth, God. Please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us to begin to convict us of where we may not be living your truth and your love, God. And show us, show us your way. Purge us of anything that's not of you and then fill us with everything that is of you so that we can be salt and lights to the people in our sphere of influence so that we can radiate you, radiate your love, explain your truth, love people into your kingdom, God. Please use us as your instruments of truth, grace, love, and mercy, in your mighty name, we pray and ask, Amen. A little background: John, the writer of uh, of this book of Revelation and one of Jesus's original original disciples, we find him in his, his place of writing. This is on this little island called Patmos, because some of the higher ups in the Roman government were just sick and tired of his Christ-filled messages. They were sick and tired of hearing him proclaim that Jesus is Lord instead of Caesar. And so, what do they do? Well, they had the power. So, they exile him. They exile him to this island of Patmos and they leave him there alone, isolated from his brothers and sisters in Christ. This is probably feeling like this baby, right? I'm sure he had moments of just, oh my goodness. Why me? He was sent there on a one-way ticket. There was no coming back for John. He probably thought, I have to guess, that he doesn't matter anymore. He can't be used by God anymore. And then I'm, I'm going to guess, much to his surprise, <laughs> the risen Christ showed up. We're told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, that when the risen Christ showed up and addressed John, and if you read the verses before that, the risen Christ is described in a pretty incredible way, like white, it's like snow white hair, eyes that are like blazing, um, hands holding stars. I mean, it's an incredible thing. The only thing that John can do is fall flat flat on his face as if he's dead. It's like his heart stopped, his knees buckled, he went down in front of the unimaginable, really the incomprehensible. And Jesus realizing this This, that it's overwhelming. His presence is overwhelming John. Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. I hold the keys of sin and death of the evil one. I have the authority and the power. No one not, not, not one, not a person that's trying to play with you right now, not the Roman Empire. I hold the keys. I have the authority. God wins here. Just begin saying it. Who has the authority? I do. Write mm. therefore. I'd be ready to write. Jesus just said that to me. Write therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. God wasn't finished using John yet. Remember, God will use us until we're in the box, okay? And so John, so, so Jesus uses John to write this letter. We call it the book of Revelation, but it's really the letter of Re- revelation. Use, this, use John to write this letter to seven real churches in Asia Minor. And I want to make sure that you understand, That these that they're writing to real people dealing with real issues. Revelation is a real letter. It's not about all just some futuristic stuff. That's the American arrogant way, thinking that this book is just for us. It's not. It's not just for us. It's for the people this day, and we're going to understand it and then say, okay, how does it apply to us today? Okay, you guys with me? This is a real letter, real issues. And as we explore the message of Revelation, it's very important that we understand that the underlying storyline of Revelation is that there are two kingdoms that are constantly vying for our allegiance. The kingdom of God, which leads to eternal life. And again, we're talking on the spiritual side here. Revelation also makes clear it's about the spirit, not the physical, okay? Spirit lives forever. So two kingdoms vying for our allegiance. Kingdom of God leads to eternal life. And then the kingdom of the evil one, which leads to eternal death. That is separation from God forever. That's what we call hell. That's two choices, two kingdoms. They're vying for our allegiance. And John makes it clear throughout the book of this letter of Revelation that the evil one's sole goal is to destroy us. Just so you, the evil one's sole goal. The evil one's not for you. The evil one wants to destroy you. The evil one wants to make your life hell on earth, and then the evil one wants you to experience hell after you die forever. That's the goal of the evil one. Do we understand that? Hey, I'm going to destroy you, so come follow me. How many people are going to do it? (laughs) You're just not. We're not that stupid, right? But the evil one has some tactics here, and I have a few on the screen. He tries to get us to turn away from God by making the pursuit of the things of this world, money, power, prestige, position, beauty, look more appealing than following God. And we'll see that in some of these churches. Another tactic that he uses is by making us apathetic to being rooted in God's word. And, and, and I probably should have expanded a little bit. Apathetic to being rooted in spiritual habits that God uses us to make us like God, right? If we, want, what did you, if we want to be like Jesus, then we have to, I think Janet, Pastor Jenna talked about this a couple weeks ago, we have to do the things that Jesus did. Jesus did certain things so that he could do certain things. Are <laughs> you following me here? But the evil one wants to make us apathetic, for example, to being rooted in God's word, so that we are more apt to compromise God's truth and to conform to the various cultural practices or beliefs or values of the day. And we have some of those going on right now, right, on gender issues, right, identity issues, sexuality issues, even just basic truth issues, right? we got some of those that we've got to wrestle with. And then another third tactic is, is, is by causing us to suffer persecution by being, quote, canceled in some way. I just want to make it clear to you that cancel culture didn't just come into being right here in the present time. Cancel culture existed back then. We have this kind of arrogant thinking that everything is new. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my goodness, no one's ever experienced this before. No. We will see by looking at some of these churches that they experienced a a cancel culture that was heavy. Because the the idea here is is, is the evil one wants to do so that we cave. So we become indifferent to being different as a follower of Jesus Christ because it's too much. Too much pressure for us. Are you guys guys with me here? And as the evil one tempts us and attacks us as we walk this path of life, the constant question being asked of us is, again, who will we give our allegiance to? Now, for John, that question was a pretty simple one. Like, why wouldn't we give our allegiance to the God who created us? Why wouldn't we give our allegiance to this God who not only created us, but loved us this much by dying for us, right? And then rising victorious over sin and death. Why wouldn't we worship the God who not only created us, but loved us, but has our best interest at heart and provides us everything we need to be who God has created us to be? Why wouldn't we give our allegiance to the God, if this is the God who can, is the only one who can give us eternal spiritual life, eternal spiritual peace and joy? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we give our allegiance to the God who wins, who ends evil forever? Why? I mean, it sounds pretty simple. Doesn't it sound pretty simple and logical? Like, we're smart. everybody here, a smart person? I mean, I mean, come on. If God is for, why wouldn't we want to follow a God that's for us? Right? Simple. Logic tells me, yeah, that. But what happens, life complicates things, doesn't it? And life was complicating things for these seven churches here in Asia Minor. And the evil one was succeeding in turning, turning some of them to things other than God. Like the pursuit of money or worldly success. Even religion, as we'll see today. The evil one was succeeding in getting some of these churches to compromise God's truth and conform to certain cultural practices of the day. And, and, and the evil one was getting close to succeeding in deading the spirits of certain of these churches through a persecuting cancel culture like they had never seen before. The evil one was on the prowl. And as a result, Jesus through John, addresses these issues that these churches are struggling with, they're wrestling with. And Jesus gives these churches, these real people, a message of hope. And this is a message for us as well. Jesus is like, relax, don't worry. Take a breath. Can we all take a breath? Sometimes it's good just to take a breath. Whatever the evil one throws your way, Jesus tells, God is stronger. God will end that evil. God will prevail over that evil. God will help you through it. God will give you the, the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to say no to sin and yes to God in all things, because the evil one's gonna keep coming at you. But don't worry, I'm more powerful than that. And I, through my spirit, will just give you that power to say no. You don't have to be like the world. I've empowered you to be different than the world. Just just seek God first in every way and every day, and then just trust that God will take care of the rest, that God has your back. And if we remain faithful to God, Jesus says throughout this letter of revelation, if we remain faithful to, remain faithful to God, then, then we will experience eternal spiritual life. I mean, we will live in right relationship with God and with everyone else who follows God forever, and that can begin right here, right now. Don't worry so much about the physical, worry about the spiritual. And I wanna use you in the physical life to get more and more people to come on the winning team because God wins and it's the best way to live. Are you guys with me? That in a nutshell is the message of Revelation. We're gonna get it into more detail. So let's begin. Do you mind if we begin with Jesus' first message to this church in Ephesus? And I think it is so important for us to hear this message in this day and age. Given the fact that God wins, we should live a certain way and we should avoid living in some other ways as we see here in this message to this church. Listen to what Jesus says, beginning in Revelation chapter two of verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him it's Jesus who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands, these churches. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that, and he's talking to this church, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That is, there's no way in this world, in this church, that anyone is going to be in a leadership position who's living in an ungodly life out there. Who's saying, Yeah, I'm in here, but out there, they're defaming the game. There's no they're not putting up with that nonsense. They just don't tolerate they just don't they don't tolerate it. I know that you cannot that, that you have that you have tested those who claim to be the apostles, but are not, and have found them false. That is, their theology was correct. They'll call it out. If they hear someone speaking that something that's not God's truth. You have persevered and you have endured hardships. For my name. I mean, these these folks, they're taking it on the chin. They're standing firm on God's truth here. And, And he says, And you have not grown weary. And it appears that this church in Ephesus, it appears that it is uncompromising. It is a bastillion of religious purity. And it had to be. You know why? You know Ephesus, right? Ephesus, in case you didn't know, it was the capital of the the province of Asia Minor. It was the center of commercial activity and intellectual thought. It's where ideas got thrown out. People wrestled, people questioned, people challenged. And the issue for this church in Ephesus was the loss of Christ's love, as we will see. As we will see, this church in Ephesus, they replaced Christ's love with right religion. All right? They didn't accept nonsense. They had to be right. So so in the context they were living, they had to be precise. They had to be rigorous. They had to be right. And they stood firm on God's truth. We're not backing down. No way. Cuz we're right. Yet I hold this against you. Jesus says in verse 4. You have forsaken your first love. That forsaken that is abandoned. Christ's love which really makes this church an oxymoron right Because how, how can you call yourself a, a christian church if you don't if you don't have christ's love at the center of what you're doing right i mean seriously how can you really be a christian church if christ's love is not the foundation or really one of the foundational elements of everything you do, the motivation for everything you do. How can you really call yourself a Christian church if that's not it? If you've lost that, if you've forsaken that, right? And in this this love that we're talking about, this Christ-like love, I want to make sure that we understand what what Jesus is talking about here and saying that they have forsaken it. This Christ-like love, and you've heard me talk about it before, it's a love of sacrifice for the sake of others, They had forsaken that kind of love. It's a love of action for the benefit of others. They stopped doing that. They had forsaken it. And it's a love of forgiveness that lets go of all past wrongs. I'm not going to bring up that thing that you did to me to cause separation between us. They had forsaken that way of living. They abandoned it. They stopped it. Why? Why would they forsake Christ's love? Well, why would we? Why would we forsake Christ's love as a community of faith? As the fo- one of the foundations of everything we do. Why? Why would we do that? We say, Dave, come on, seriously, we're smart people. We wouldn't do that. I guarantee you that these, these people in the church in Ephesus, they were smart people too. They would have said the same thing. We, we wouldn't do that. So, wh- so, so what would cause them to do that? Well, remember, again, Ephesus is the capital of Asia Minor. It's the center of commercial activity and intellectual thought. It's where ideas are challenged, where things are questioned. You have to assume that they're being questioned and challenged on God's truth and living God's way. What? You have to deny self, pick up a cross, and follow this person that we can't really see? you got to be kidding me. Die to self? How do you survive in this culture living that way? Come on, really? Live a life of sacrifice for the sake of others? And if I don't take care of me, I'm going to die. You know, my, my, my family needs fed. I gotta, I, I gotta, it's got to be about me, myself, and I. It sounds like this is just one of those other philosophies, those new philosophies out there that come and go. Some dude lived, you said he died, you said he rose again. Really? Seriously? Come on. You're putting your trust in that? That's your hero? Are you guys following me here? I mean, this is the environment. that It's like a New York City. Free flow of thought and challenge and ideas. And so what what did that mean? They had to know their theology to survive. They had to stand firm on God's truth. They had to be right about God's truth because they're being attacked from all sides. Have you ever heard the saying that you can be so right that you're wrong? Uh, if you haven't, it's, 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 it's your right, you're right. But the way you go about being right is wrong. As a church, this can happen to us when we're in a cultural context of setting like the church in Ephesus, where we're being challenged, where, we're, where, where people are questioning, where people may be demeaning even our intellectual capacity to be intelligent people. We're challenging God's truth left and right in, in, in every way. And so what can happen to a church is that they can allow fear of compromise and fear of conforming to the cultural practices, beliefs, or values of the day. They can allow that fear to cause them to circle the horses, wall up, and become a rigid, frigid, rules-based church in essence a church can allow this fear of compromise it can allow can allow a church can cause a church to allow god's truth to actually trump god's love to protect god's truth does that make sense I think you all agree that we're living in some very interesting cultural times where truth is being deconstructed in so many ways. Did you know two plus two equals five? I mean, even on some nonsense like that, right? We're, 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 we're living in this cultural context where, where views on gender identity, sexuality, relationships are really being turned upside down. I mean, we're, we're living in some interesting cultural times, don't you think? Where violence, whether that's physical violence... I think we've seen that this past summers, all these different kinds of riots. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. Where violence, physical or word violence, or or like media violence on social media, holy smokes, two businesses just trying to make it here in McMinnville, you would think, right? Just trying to offer something for us from an eating perspective. Giraldi's and... and, and, uh, It's the donut one, Magdaddy Donuts. Is that what it's called? Just blasted with all these negative reviews just to get people to stop going there because they may have held a position that a bunch of mob people didn't agree with. It's the kind of violence I'm talking about. This is the cultural setting that we're in where we will experience maybe some kind of violence because we may or they may or you may or whoever may disagree on some issue or idea. Are you guys with me here? And when we're living in this kind of chaotic, disturbing context, we may be tempted to do one of two things. Well, we may be tempted to cave and rationalize away some of God's biblical truth in the face of some new cultural idea, belief, or value. And we rationalize it by saying this, God's love trumps God's truth. So we go the opposite way. God, God's love wins. So as long as it's about love, you're good to go. Remember, God's love doesn't trump God's truth because God's truth is God's love. Or we can go the other way. So we go the other way, we can build these walls of truth. Right? Thinking that God's truth trumps God's love. That's false too, right? You know that, right? Because God's truth is God's love. Are you guys, are you guys with me here? So again, we can build these walls of truth to protect ourselves from anything outside or unchristian. Oh, I'm afraid. Maybe sin's more powerful than God. I gotta hide. And when we build walls like that, we can forget that we're supposed to love people into God's kingdom. And then give them the grace and space to allow God's truth to transform them and to free them. are we connecting you following are you with me does that make sense some of the telltales that we ha- may have abandoned Christ's love and replaced it with God's well this the idea I'm trying to protect God's truth some telltales that we may have built walls of truth is when we stop welcoming the the addict ooh When we stop welcoming an unwed mother who's trying to make it, we go, oh, you're not married? What's up with that? Or some single young lady who may be pregnant and unmarried. What? Telltale sign that we've abandoned Christ's love is when we stop welcoming a, a same-sex couple When we stop welcoming someone who's just really struggling and trying to figure out their our identity, who they really are, when we do, ooh, woe to us. Does that make sense? If we ever abandon Christ's love. As one of the foundational elements and motivations for everything we do as a community of faith, and always for not. Think about it. Without Christ's love being at the center of everything that we do, without Christ's love flowing into, through us, and out of us, how can we ever be salt and light out there? If Christ's love isn't constantly flowing into, through, and out of us, how can we ever show the world who God is, what God cares about, and who God cares about? How can we ever, how can we ever help people experience God's love if we're not living God's love, <laughs> right? I mean, if Christ's love isn't constantly flowing into, through, and out of us, how can we ever expand God's kingdom on earth? If Christ's love isn't constantly flowing into, through, and out of us, then what, what are we? Well, I'll tell you what we are. We're a dead church. Stick a fork in us. We're done. I think that's why Jesus says, I mean, he gets pointed here with this church. He says says, says to them, again, in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And in verse 5, he says, Remember the height from which you have fallen. So he tells them to repent and do the things you did at first. Repent, turn back to God. The things you did at first, allow Christ's love to flow into you, continue to transform you, work through you, and just flow out of you to everyone in your sphere of influence. Do things that matter. Break out of these walls that you've put up. Do things that matter, like actually love people in tangible ways. Love them. Starts just just by feeding someone who's hungry that may not be a follower of Jesus. It's okay. Close someone who may need some clothes. Give them a drink. Talk to your neighbor who may be struggling. Take a meal. Care for them if they're sick. How about this? Write a note to someone that you may know or someone that you do know knows in prison. Tell them, guess what? You still matter. You still have a purpose. You haven't been forgotten. Hey, you're loved. It'll be great maybe to, to if you already know them, hey, to get together when you get out or if I, maybe I'll get a chance to meet you. Hey, someone's got your back. I'm praying for you. Or, or maybe this, maybe, maybe just accept someone for where they are right now in life, even if you don't agree with what they're doing. And then love them into God's kingdom. As you help them understand God's truth in a loving way. Are, are, are you with me? Jesus says, he's pretty clear, if you don't repent, he's telling this church, if you don't break down these truth walls, You don't turn from this. I will come to you and remove your lampstand. Lampstand's church. I will remove your church from its place. Ouch. If we abandon Christ's love, if Christ's love stops being one of the foundational elements, motivations for everything we do as a community of faith, then Jesus makes it very clear that God will stop using us as a community of faith to help people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, play a role. Because we will be, we will look yucky. I mean, we will defame the name without Christ's love within us. We will make people hate God, actually. If we don't repent, Jesus is clear, we will be a dead church. Have you ever been a part of one? Jesus then ends his message to this church these people of Ephesus, with an encouraging word. Gives them, he notes something here. He says this. He goes, but, verse 6, you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Uh, you, you know the Nicolaitans, right? Anybody here friends with a Nicolaitan? Nicolaitans? No? The Nicolaitans, they're the people, they, they come to church, yeah, and then they go out there and they defame the name. They've lost their distinctiveness as a follower of Jesus Christ. They have become indifferent to being different as followers of Jesus Christ. They've caved, they've conformed under pressure. And in this case, these Nicolaitans, they had adopted certain cultural practices and festivals of the day. They would eat these meals that were being prepared for the the local God or gods. And so they were looking no different from the world. And Jesus says, what? What was the word that Jesus said? The, The kind of practices, that kind of living? What's he say? I hate, I hate that. Jesus hates it when we let the world dictate how we live. Pretty strong word. Like, I hate it. I hate it when my followers have caved under the pressure and have engaged in kid worship. Because our culture says if you're a good parent, then you'll make sure your kid has this, your kid has that, your kid has a phone at a certain time, your kid can get on, watch whatever they want. Your, your, your goal as a parent is to give your kids whatever they ask for. Your, kid is, your, 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 your goal as a parent is to make sure they don't miss any experience. So, so you, you got to make sure that they're playing in this league, that they're doing this thing, they're, they're, that they're taking this, le- whatever. It doesn't matter if you go into debt to do it. Because it's all about your kid. they got to have this toy. Christmas is really about making your kids happy. Easter is about making your kids just love chocolate. I don't know. But it's all about kid worship, right? I could have picked a number of other things to focus in on, but I'm just using this as one example. Jesus hates it when we let the world dictate how we live. Are we clear on that? Jesus says in verse 7, he who has an ear... Does anybody have an ear? I wonder when Jesus says this, are he smiling when he says it or what? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, that is to us, to him who ever overcomes, that is to him that just remains faithful. Man, I'm all in, Jesus. I know you're gonna continue to do your sanctifying work in me. I'm all in though. My heart desire is to love you, to love others, teach others to do the same. I'm all in to those To those who overcome, Jesus says, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. It's interesting that Genesis begins with the tree of life, and now at the end, we're talking about the tree of life again. I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, to those who do not choose to follow God. Jesus doesn't talk about that here. I have to wonder if Jesus thought we were smart enough To figure out what would happen to those who do not follow God. What that path leads to. Keep reading in Revelation, you'll learn more. I began the, the message with this question Are we living in an apocalyptic time? Yes! But that's not weird. In the midst of these most interesting times and the reason why i answered that question yes is because we are being revealed for who we really are follower of god or follower of something else and we're being revealed no matter what times we're living in are you guys with me here so in in a way i think that almost all times are apocalyptic times (laughs) every day is a revealing day who's your daddy who's your god are you following and one of the key things that identify us as a follower of Jesus Christ is Christ's love that love of sacrifice that love of action that love of forgiveness are you you guys following me are we people of Christ's love so I gotta ask this question what are we doing what are you doing I mean seriously if someone were to ask you this question I hope that you'd have a ready answer what are you doing to love someone into God's kingdom What are you doing for that person in your sphere of influence that's not following God yet? What are you doing to love that person with a love of sacrifice for their sake? What tangible way are you doing that? What are you doing to love that person with a love of action for their benefit? What are you doing in a tangible way to do that? How are you loving that person with a a love of forgiveness that lets go of that thing that they did to you that that hurt you? you? How are you loving them? What's your answer? When is the last time you loved someone in a tangible way who irks you? Who you do not like. Because the world loves people they do like, right? So when's the last time that you love someone who you do not like? Or have you walled them off with your biblical truths? Ooh. They're wrong, and they should know it whenever they fix themselves, whenever they become more pleasant, then I'll love them. Are you tracking here? I'm so thankful that Jesus loved me and died for me Before I ever embraced God's truth. Because if he would have waited until I embraced God's truth, he may have been waiting forever. (laughs) Oh, my friends, may we follow Jesus' example and love people into God's kingdom before they may have even heard of God's truth. And then give them the grace and space as we answer questions, as we walk the path to allow God's truth and God's love to transform them and free them so that they can be who God has created them to be. Jesus Christ in every way and every day. Are you guys with me this morning? Mm. As I thought about how to end this message. The only thing that really came to my mind was just taking a moment to remember how Christ loved us before we ever embraced God's truth. Just to sit with that. So my prayer this morning as we, as we receive communion, Holy Communion together is that as we do, that we will be filled with Christ's love like we've never been filled before. So that we're just overflowing. We can't help but share it. Let's just take a moment and just reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ took a beating for us, was ripped and torn apart for us, was broken and poured out for us before we ever embraced God's truth. As you contemplate that, take out these elements. It's what we use right now during this time period. No matter what time period we're in, nothing will ever stop us from remembering Everything that God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing. We'll always find ways to gather and to remember and to celebrate. This, my friends, this little I don't know, wafer thing, it represents the fact, this represents Christ's body, and the fact that, again, Christ, man, He, he suffered for, for us so that we could experience Christ's love first. <laughs> so let Christ's love, as you eat this, just fill you, overflow you. And this little cup of juice represents Christ's blood that was shed for you, that was poured out for you, for me, for us, for the world. So that we could see what Christ's love looks like in the real and the raw. Mm. We could remember. We could let, constantly have this thought that, no, we want your love constantly filling us every day, overflowing us so that we can just pour out, share your love with everyone that, we, that you put in, in, our, in our sphere, everyone that you put in our contact, places today, every, everyone. So drink and let Jesus Christ fill you, overflow you with, with his love. My friends, will you do me a favor this week and in the weeks to come? Will you just make it a conscious effort to think about someone in your sphere of influence who who hasn't experienced Christ's love, who isn't following God yet, and then love them into God's kingdom in a tangible way? walk the path with them, and then answer their questions as they wrestle and give them the grace and space to allow God's truth and God's love to transform them and free them. Would you do that for me? What say you people of Church of the Hill? Oh God, please hear our prayer. We wanna be people of your love and your truth. Neither one trumps the other. Mm, help us always to remember that. Oh God, we're asking, please continue to pour out your spirit on us so that, so that we have your power and your love and your wisdom and your strength and your courage to be your salt and light in the world. Use us to love people into your kingdom and then help people be transformed by your truth and love. in Jesus is precious. Life giving, transforming name, we pray and ask. Amen. Will you just stand with me and